0: On GDC podcast episode eight, we have Celia Hoden, a user experience consultant, psychology PhD, and author who will get us learned about cognitive science, UX, and how our brains process something as complex as a video game. Back in a few. And we're back. Hey, uh, this is Chris Graft, editor in chief of Gamma Sutra, and I'm here with Alyssa.
1: Yeah, this is Alyssa, and I am already trying to interrupt you like a minute into this
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little out of practice, huh? I, th- oh I think like, it's like we have to relearn every time.
1: I don't. I haven't talked. Well, I have roommates, but I haven't like talked to people <laughs> as much yeah. as usual. So it's just yeah. a little a little rusty. And,
0: and and your last name is Alyssa McAloon. Not, Not your last Mac- name good. is Alyssa McAloon. That yeah, w-
1: one of those is <laughs> One of those names might be the one that belongs there.
0: Yeah. The the gears are just starting to spin in my head. We're getting <laughs> uh, you know, greased up and ready to go for this. So um, yeah, Alyssa Alyssa McAloon. Um, anything anything new happened since the last uh,
2: uh Animal podcast? Crossing.
0: <laughs> it's is
1: just it's just Animal Crossing. That's How, that's
0: it. How'd your G D C go?
1: Oh G D C yeah, that was yeah. Animal Crossing too. <laughs> oh man!
0: Oh jeez! Um, I did
1: watch some of the streams that were going all week on the GDC Twitch channel, which were pretty interesting. Popped in yeah. every now and then, but you can probably talk a little bit more about those than I can.
0: Oh no, I don't know if I can. <laughs> no, um, no. the the uh, The virtual talks turned out uh, really great, actually. And there is something to be said about hanging out in your living room, uh, absorbing content from the comfort of your own home. Uh so we actually streamed the GDC Awards, the Game Developers Choice Awards um through Twitch as well as the IGF Awards. And it, it was a, you know, it, it was a, a a big effort on the part of people who are like our hosts and you know the GDC events team um and it turned out it turned out really nice um and just kind of uh it kind of made me feel. It made me feel good, you know. There's a lot of adversity right now. It's tumultu- tumultuous times, right?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it yeah. was a, a. I don't know. It was difficult for them to bring together. I imagine, and it came together in this really like heartwarming online way. Uh, I think being on Twitter and in the Twitch chat throughout like the entire week and for the awards, it was like the most wholesome gathering of minds that I've seen online in a long time. Which is it like. Was- Wow.
0: <laughs> it was um, it was shockingly wholesome for yeah. Twitch chat, uh, considering how many people were watching. Uh, so thanks for everyone who who showed up for that. And yeah. also, there are a bunch of virtual talks that are on the GDC YouTube channel. And, and uh, they're
1: up for free on the vault too, right?
0: Yes. Correct.
1: Yeah, the entire uh, listing from that week is viewable.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if they're not free now, they will be. I'm pretty sure they're all free right now. Um,
1: it's a good so, number yeah. of them I'm scrolling through them right now. So there's a lot of content.
0: Content. A lot
1: of free content.
0: Is my middle name.
1: <laughs> Chris ContentCraft. <laughs> uh
0: so yeah. Other than that, you mentioned uh Animal Crossing. I think that we should just hit on that real quick <laughs> because I know that our listeners want to really listen uh, listen to us talk about that.
1: Thirty minutes later. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> now yeah, Animal you're, Crossing's you're some, real good and what what was that? Sorry?
0: you're like some kind of professional, like uh, Animal Crossing player. I go to your island, you're like, you know, you're kind of like when you have rich friends or friends who are like really well <laughs> off, and I, when your gates open for your island, I go there, like the streets are, are paved with bells. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just
1: like my real life, that's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just well organized, no, I had a lot of anxiety that can be channeled into organizing, and Animal Crossing is a wonderful conduit for that. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about, uh, the Gamasutra editorial team had at talking about all of that over yesterday in a lead mm-hmm. on gamasutra.com. So you can read that for my long form opinions where I talk too much about it.
0: No, I don't think you could ever talk too much about it. <laughs> you do. You have, you have very enthralling opinions. You like live on a different, uh, tier <laughs> of animal Crossingness than I do. Uh, it's everything I aspire to be.
1: Th- thank you. I think. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Anytime. Okay. So I think that we should, uh, get on with our, uh, with our guest.
2: Yeah, game development time. I'm I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Alex, you you folks are hilarious. I I was muted most of the time too for better (laughs) sound, but you're you're hilarious. It feels like we're starting to relearn how to interact with people. Oh my God, how we do that? We don't know anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know, but it's it's um, it's a totally see. I haven't even introduced you properly yet. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the warmest introduction here. Woo! And and, and now you now you have to listen to it unmuted, and you can react. Okay. and correct me as, as I'm doing it. All so, right. all right, here we go. Um, and if any of this is wrong, uh, I blame your personal webpage.
2: Well, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, uh, Celia Odent has worked um, on, uh, she has worked as a UX, U, okay.
2: <laughs> Yay, that starts well. Jinxed
0: <laughs> Okay, our next guest has worked as a UX consultant in the game industry for over a decade
2: no that's false
0: <laughs> over okay <laughs> this is a bad start then
2: <laughs> no i've only been a consultant for the past two and a half years but before that i was working in the studios directly
0: okay um, <laughs> but it was
2: it was close <laughs> okay
0: this is good this is live live editing um all right holds holds a phd in psychology
2: yay that's good
0: okay has worked <laughs> on ubisoft franchises like rainbow six driver assassin's creed Watch Dogs. Mm-hmm. okay Lucas sadly canceled yeah. Star Wars
2: 1313.
0: That was sad. Yeah. Or is it 1313? <laughs> <laughs> and Maybe she's also
2: Was it <laughs> was 131.3, who knows. Uh, <laughs> the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> approach.
0: Uh, and also worked on a little game called Fortnite at Epic Games.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, it's it's a nice game. It's, it's a nice fun. little app. Yeah. But, it's pretty cool. yeah.
0: And uh, uh, all right, there is, there is more. You're too accomplished. Uh, oh, stop. Pro- uh, <laughs> uh, prolific speaker, including multiple times at GDC, where she is chair and advisor of the GDC UX Summit. Yes. Yes. That's a cool author summit. Of the- <laughs> All right, we're, we're almost through here. Um, <laughs> author of The Gamer's Brain, How Neuroscience and UX Can Impact Video Game Design and the upcoming The Psychology of Video Games. Yes. Is that, is that all? Is that the big the big stuff
2: yeah i think that's good that's-
0: <laughs> all right everyone help me welcome <laughs> celia hoden hey celia
2: hey thanks for having me welcome. yeah
0: of course we're super excited should we call you dr celia
2: uh no you, you can ever- if you want if it's if, 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 like a fantasy of yours <laughs> <But I
0: don't laughs> how about how about just doc
2: doc yeah doc it's cool yeah.
0: okay all right doc uh so
2: only if i can say great
1: scott okay that's a requirement i think yeah yeah
0: we will allow it Hi. so uh first uh we kind of we kind of went over your professional background but like what what how did you get into this like (laughs) this is this is like i'm excited to have you on because it's uh it's a unique thing
2: uh it's not that unique but yeah it's uh ish. When I, yeah unique ish um yeah a lot of people ask me that question it's it's really funny because it really happened it just happened serendipity um so 12 years ago uh i was working in the, in the toy industry and like doing educational games and stuff like that but i was a gamer i've always been a gamer my whole life uh, you know like light gamer like i play a lot of games so not just mm-hmm. video games um, and so back then I I, uh, I was already seeing a lot of parents freaking out about video games and, and uh, fearing that it would uh, turn their kids into dumb people. I don't know why, but it's it's been around for a while. And so back then I started to look into the science behind it and the psychology. Is there any uh, research uh, behind the impact of video games? And back then I found some research, um, mostly about the a positive impact on cognitive skills, um, but also the worries around um, you know, violence and, and pathological, pathological gaming and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so this is how I started to write articles about it back in France and to start going into festivals. There were a few festivals back in the day about video games and um, this is how I met with Ubisoft. And so it happened that way. I got so- it that way
0: how why was that um attractive to you or appealing to you it was um was it you know to validate your hobby or
2: like <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just um it, it was just the the, the convert um everything was was really uh uh converging and all the things that i love so i I love art. Uh, in, in a previous life, I, I was um, a musician. I was playing music. And, and so I love the fact that in video games, there's a lot of artists and there's a lot of way to be creative. Uh, I love science. Um, I, more specifically, uh, cognitive psychology, conscious science, but I love all science. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's that in, in my background. And, and I love playing games. And so getting in the game industry was where everything is kind of converging so to me that was that was kind of uh, that this is where I don't know. Well, the pieces came together, and I thought, yeah, this is this is I guess this is where I belong. I think I hope.
0: Yeah, <laughs> was Ubisoft just um, looking for? It, was it kind of a new area for them as far as getting you know somebody with a psychology background?
2: Uh, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Well, that was in, back in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. uh, and that was new. And there were a, a couple studios that were interested into that. Ubisoft, though, was interested into enriching people's lives, and back then they had. Um, you know, some, uh, some educational, not really educational, but, you know, games that you want to, to enrich people's lives, people's like the, uh, all the um, uh, coach games, you know, my word coach or my mm-hmm. SAT coach. And so uh, I was hired to help them understand how people learn um, and to work on different projects. I was on the think tank, uh, the strategic innovation lab that's reporting to the CEO, Yves Guimou. So I was working there, but I was also working with uh, the Games for Everyone uh, team, and I was also working with an editorial team. So I was was right at HQ, so it was really cool for me to enter the game industry at a place where I I could look at a lot of different um, relevant things in in games and and all the different um, topics and, Mm -hmm. and things that people were doing at Ubisoft. So yeah, they were interested into that aspect, and I think they're still interested um into that. And so yeah, to me it was it was a great uh it was really serendipity. I was at the right uh yeah. moment, <laughs> at the right place. Um yeah, and so, I was interested in it.
0: Yeah, we we've been kind of uh you know dropping the term UX and saying user experience. Yeah uh but That's not, you know, we can't assume that everybody, you know, who's listening uh, understands what that is or what that means. Yeah. So can you explain what, you know, what that is exactly? Absolutely. Yeah. And how it relates to games.
2: First of all, it's new in the game industry. Um, When I started at Ubisoft, that was not a term that we were using. We started Mm. to use it maybe when I was at at LucasArts. So more in 2012, 2011. Um, User experience is... Um, see it as a mindset. Um, When we design things and whether it is a video game or an object or an aircraft, whatever it is, we can design it the way we find it the the easiest um, for engineers or for designers but we can also shift from that perspective and try to adopt the perspective of the user who doesn't know uh, what's going on in the back end, who doesn't necessarily um, know how the thing works and try to adopt that perspective so that we can design the object, the system or the game uh, Taking into account the limitations of the human is going to use the thing. So it started mm. it started back in um, World War two um, When there were a lot of uh, pilots that were super highly trained who still made some mistakes because when you're uh in a war, you're stressed out, of course, and they were pressing a button instead of the other because um, the uh, um, the dashboards and the, uh, the aircraft they were not consistent, one right. aircraft from the other, and so you have to always relearn uh, for each uh, aircraft, and of course that was um, making human mistakes easier and so people would die or uh would uh, crash planes and so this is where they really people really start to shift from all right instead of designing the aircraft in the way it's 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 going to be the easiest for the engineer how about we design it in the way it's going to be easier for humans considering humans uh flaws because we are we are flawed Mm -hmm. and so we can make it uh better uh, for for um the military and then it It spread uh, from the military, started there, um, and then it started to um, gain traction uh, in product design and healthcare and and video games. So video games is pretty new. It's been less than 10 years, but it's gaining traction here too. And the idea is to ensure that you're going to offer the experience that you want to offer to your players uh, by considering their perspective first. Yeah,
0: and that whole idea of considering people's perspective is what seems that would make this extremely difficult (laughs) (laughs) to figure out because people see things in in different ways, right?
2: Yeah, perception is subjective. We're all different. So we're all floating the same way, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. our perception is different. Um, There's a a little game that I often uh, do and uh, I I show a, a picture and I ask people, What do you perceive in this picture and and depending on on where people are coming from they see different things and this is just to illustrate that our perception is subjective and it really highly depends on what we care about, uh, our culture, it depends on uh, the games that we play, the conventions that we're used to. And so if you're, even if you're a gamer, like gamer, there's not one gamer, we, ha- we have gamers. And depending on what type of game you're playing, you're gonna be used, um, you, you know certain conventions, like if you play a lot of RPGs or playing a lot mm-hmm. of FPS, there are specific conventions that you don't find necessarily in puzzle games. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to understand uh, different perspectives. And we cannot do that by ourselves because we cannot. It's just something we can't do. Adopt someone else's perspective. We're very bad at that. So we need a methodology. So we can. Um, uh, so that's why we play test. so that yep. we can verify that the the the, the game that you're designing um, is gonna be understood and perceived in the way you wanted by the people who are gonna play it. And. The, they might have a very different perspective than you have. So, so that's the basic principle.
0: Can you, can you talk a little bit about like, you know, basic methodology for, for something like this or give an example?
2: Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so first of all, it's very broad. Um, sure. When we talk about UX, a lot of people think UI. Of course, UI is part of the experience and, and you know, the, the, the icons that we're using and the menus and uh, organization and the HUD. Of course, that's going to uh, be very impactful, but it's not just the UI, it's everything. If you, let's take an example of, of what we call affordance. And affordance is when you see something, um, you see an object, and you know, you know how you're going to be able to use it, and the, the object is designed to help you interact with it. Um, So in product design, for example, if you think about I have a mug just right in front of me, that mug has a handle. That handle is an affordance for me to be able to just grab it with three or four fingers and lift it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's helping me uh, using that object without burning my fingers if there's something warm in it. Yeah. Um, in video games, we don't manipul- most of the time, we don't manipulate uh, physical objects so the affordances are what we call cognitive affordances or just signifiers. But the idea is just by looking at something in the game, can I understand uh, what it's for and how I can use it? So for example, if you look at um, the enemies in Mario, uh, let's, let's say Bowser, everybody uh, knows Bowser. Um, he has spikes on his back. Mm-hmm. that's telling you that if you're going to jump on it, it's probably going to hurt you. So you should not do that. This is a cognitive affordance explaining to you how this enemy is working. So we need to uh, help out players uh, because we want the game to be, uh, uh, f- first of all, fun and also easy to understand and to, and to um, understand the rules of the world and, and what we need to do in an intuitive way and it's through affordance that we can do that a lot Um, because games we don't want to read a manual before playing a game, we just want to experiment it. And if we can understand just by looking at something, so it's character design, it's environment design, and yes, it's the UI, but it's not just that. Even the music, uh, sound effect, all of that is gonna be important because all of that is part of the experience and the idea is to ensure that we're gonna give the experience that we wanna give. Um, so in video games, it's, what's complicated is we, we are putting some challenges in front of players. Uh, unlike mm-hmm. other areas, like military or, or product design, we don't, we don't want to challenge people using something. Um, but in games, we do want to challenge people in the games. So what's going to be really important is to start by defining what experience do you want to offer? Where do you want to challenge players? Let's say, for example, Fortnite, is a game where you're going to challenge uh, players with their Twitch skills and combat and building uh, and coordinating with others. It's not a game where we want to challenge people into perception. A game like Monument Valley is a game when you challenge people on their perception because you play around with perspective. Um, so it's really important to first define where you want to put a challenge, what experience you want to offer and who is your users. Um, who are the people going to play your game? Because like I said, depending on what they're used to, um, they might see things differently. And so once you nail that, then you can start. This is where the methodology starts. Um, and this is where you can um, try to anticipate problems that your uh, players are going to have. And you're going to have to make trade-offs and uh, make the right choices. So you can offer the experience that you want to offer to your players. Sorry, it's a bit broad, what? but it's... it's. What?
0: <laughs> what? Sitting here intently listening, it's, it's, it's fascinating.
2: Yeah, I can talk about that forever. So don't feel free to interrupt me.
1: I'm jumping back into like my college shorthand when I'm taking notes here, being like, oh yes, yes, this is like sitting in on a really interesting psychology course.
0: Yeah, the professor is in. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're frantically, frantically taking notes here.
1: I'm like this flashing back. Separate. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask to so like. When you define your challenge or your users and stuff like that, is there, like, moments throughout the process where you have to go back and re-evaluate re- after, like, having some hands-on, like, playtesting or, like, looking at how players are actually reacting to your game and be like, okay, we need to change our definitions and adapt to how players are receiving it, or do you adapt, like, how do you adapt to that on the fly with UX design or, like, UX anything?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You, so we use what we we call design thinking. So it's an iteration, uh, iteration cycle. So you design something, you test it, and the, depending on how people are using it, is it validating or not what you're trying to accomplish? If not, you go back to design, and you iterate, and then you retest. So of course, we're going to adjust a lot of stuff. But typically, um, we don't tend to adjust uh, what we thought the game should be about. Uh, because if if your if your game is about combat and building and cooperation, and you see that this is not what we're trying to accomplish, uh, it's it's rare that we're gonna say, oh yeah, it's bad at, our game is bad at doing that, but it's great at doing something else. Let's shift entirely <laughs> and do that. I mean, it's it's possible, why not? But it's typically not what we do because mm-hmm. making games is very extremely expensive. Um, so we we do have we do have a um, we're focusing on accomplishing certain goals that are broad goals. Uh, but then to for, to get there, yes, we're gonna uh, iterate on systems. We're gonna iterate on on the art. We're gonna iterate on the UI. We're gonna iterate on all these things and maybe gonna adjust. Um, we're making some assumptions that might be wrong, and so we might have to remove. Uh, for example, a feature that we thought would reinforce uh, such a strange feeling that we want to give, but at the end of the day, this is not what's happening. It's actually uh, removing more than adding anything. So yes, we, we adjust the features and systems, uh, but typically we don't adjust the, the vision that we had for mm-hmm. the game, at least not in, in my experience. In, uh,
0: in one of your GDC talks uh, a few years back, uh, you really focused on these concepts of perception, memory, and attention, yeah, which was totally fascinating. <laughs> talk, we talked a little bit about perception, uh, but can you talk about how, why those three things are important to consider and how they relate to each other?
2: Absolutely. Um, so when we talk about, I'm just gonna take one step back before. Sure. Uh, when we talk about UX, so we want to offer the experience we want to offer to uh, our players. There are two main things that we need to look into to offer great user experience. The first one is usability, and the second one is what I call engageability. Usability is is making sure that the game can be used. People understand the objectives, they can manipulate all the things they need to manipulate, understand the systems. If if there's crafting in your your game, players understand how to interact with the crafting system and they are able to craft something. That's usability. Uh, A game can be usable, like meaning that people can understand what they have to do and manipulate uh, all the features in a game uh, but it could still be boring and mm-hmm. so a game is more than just usability it needs to be engaging but back onto usability um, to make a game usable we need to take into account the limitations of the human brain so we look into mental processes and so this is uh, where cognitive science uh, kicks in because cognitive science is the study of mental processes and the main mental processes um, that uh, we know well and that are really important to make a game usable are perception, attention and memory. So we look at the main limitations of, of these things. Um, the, the brain is performing for a lot of stuff. Uh, we have great capabilities but we also have great limitations so the, the, the one we talked about perception is perception is subjective and we have a hard time remembering that because for us what we see what we hear everybody should have the same perception of the reality but it's not what happens there's one reality and there's multiple perceptions of it this is why it's so hard to communicate sometimes
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then attention and memory are also very important and memory is critical um, because you don't if you learn something it means that you memorized something new If you don't memorize it, you don't learn it. And so, um, playing a video game is a learning experience. There's a lot of things that your player is going to have to learn from the controls to the objective to the story. Um, And so we need to understand how we can make sure that players are going to memorize the most important things in your game. Um, and the problem with memory is that memory is pretty flawed. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced that. You forget Not about me. stuff. Not me. Perfect
0: memory. Perfect memory. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so that's, we have to deal with that. Uh, and so memory is pretty flawed and we have what we call the forgetting curve. and. Mm even if you learn something by heart and that's, you know, let's say today you've learned something entirely tell you by heart, like a series of, of numbers of, or, uh, or, uh, words, but then tomorrow maybe you're only going to remember half of them or even less than that if what you're trying to um, learn was meaningless. And so we are forgetting stuff as uh, time passes and it's really important for video games because a video game, we experience that across several days or weeks or hopefully yeah. months and years. And if you play every day, you're ha- you less likely to forget about stuff, but a lot of players, they're going to play a lot. Let's say uh, a game that's complicated. Let's take the example of Red Dead Redemption 2. You, mm-hmm. you play it, there's a lot of systems to learn and maybe you're going to play every day. For a couple of weeks and then you go on vacation or there's yeah. you know you're going on crunch because we're making video games and we crunch and and so you leave the game for a week or two and when you come back it feels like you're you're downgraded because now you don't remember how to do things yeah. and it's taking a long time to get back to it
0: uh, not not to get hung up on this or interrupt th- through this but like this is just so striking to me like i i forget Like where I slotted my uh, fishing rod in my tool wheel in Animal Crossing, (laughs) like, (laughs) like minute, minute to minute, and like that's that's one of the things that's frustrating to me too about RPGs for yeah. example because you'll return to it and there's like for most of them some of them are trying to do this now but these are like epically long you know stories and then you know I'm not playing every single day and then I'll come back and like months later and I just give up because I'm just like what the heck am I even doing you might as like, well start all the way over again yeah. 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 like yeah
1: there was, like, a moment with uh, what you were describing with uh, kind of forgetting, like, small elements of something where, like, I previously played a lot of Hitman 2. Now I only play some Hitman (laughs) 2. And I took a break from that game to play Horizon Zero Dawn, or that was Hitman 1, I think. And then I came back to it, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to this level I know really well, and I'm going to go through this way. And I go behind this butler, and I got to sneak and open the door. And instead of hitting the open the door button, I hit what in Horizon would be the action button, and i punched this butler directly in the <laughs> face. <laughs> because yes. like, my memory of the buttons had been overlapped with what I was playing at a different time, and it just it went weird. It all went bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: that's a great example. Um, and so as a gamer, we, we typically play a lot of different games. And what you're describing is, is what we call muscle memory. Um, so in psychology, we, we call that procedural memories, the memory of actions, which is a bit different from the memory of facts and, and knowledge. Uh, mm-hmm. Such as you know, what's the storyline in that in that game? That's more facts, and, and um, the buttons that you press is, is more procedure. And these are two different, completely separate memories, and they work differently. But muscle memory is very strong. And so once you're trained on a game and you have certain uh, button lay, lay uh, buttons layout, if you go back to another game, it's it's a nightmare because you have to relearn. It's just like if, if you go from the US, you go to London, and you have to look uh, uh, right before crossing and you're not used to that and it's going to take you a while to get used to that. Mm-hmm. So it's the same principle. And there's a lot of games now that they care more about the onboarding. They onboard players better. Uh, but not many games think about re-onboarding players after they left the game for a little while. And yeah. that's, that can be OK if you're a, a, a paid up game. If you're a free-to-play game, that could mean that players, when they get back to it, they forgot about everything and they feel like it's going to be um, too hard to uh, uh, get bad at, at it and they might just quit and play another game. So, so it's harsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like
0: seriously, like I, I, I need a, like a, a re... Um, you know uh, adjustment or, or like reintro every time i I turn a game on or so. I should probably get a brain scan.
2: Uh, <laughs> no, I can assure you your brain's perfectly normal. This is, we all had this problem. Humans yeah. are just flawed. Well, that's good to know.
0: <laughs> now, now mem- and then memories, so it's perception, how people see things, and then memory, um, you know, and, and then that goes into attention. Yeah, well, how, so, how does that go into UX?
2: So the, the, these elements are not really separated. We talk about yeah. them separately. Um, but memory is the process of encoding retaining and then recalling information. So it's all of okay. that. And to encode information, you need attention. Um, so if you don't pay attention to something, you're not gonna remember it well. So to pay attention to something, it also needs to stand I'm out. I'm sorry,
0: what was that? Which no, part? I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretending like I, you lost my attention. Oh my God. You, yeah. I'm sorry. That's whoa, terrible. Whoa. <laughs> warnt, warnt. <laughs> no,
2: good try, good try. <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's difficult times so that we need to yeah laugh. yeah yeah um so now i lost my <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> memory so
2: yeah you need so first of all to pay attention to something sometimes you need to perceive it uh, and so that's why we need to stuff to stand out this is the reason why we have you know big flashes in games or giant exclamation mark to draw attention uh, but through perception, so we draw attention, and once you pay attention to something, then you're going to process things better. So, the better you process something, and the, the, more, uh, the deeper you process something, the more likely you are to remember it. So uh, this is the reason why, in most cases, learning by doing is more efficient than learning by reading instructions, for example so during the onboarding phase it's going to be more way more efficient if you want people to remember it to put your players in a situation where they have to do something they have to uh, experience the thing you're trying to teach them and uh, th- this is the way really uh, put fortnite together the the save the world parts mm-hmm. uh, so the more the story more p- part. for example the first time you learn how to build the players are in a situation where they're in a cave and they need to exit the cave, but there's nothing there to exit the cave. And this is where we teach them, hey, if you want to exit, you need to build stairs. And so the idea is if you place players in a situation where they, they have context, it means that they can do the things that you teach them. There's uh, learning by doing. And on top of that, it's meaningful. They care about it right now because they need to get out. Uh, this is when people are more likely to pay attention to what they're doing, uh, and they're more motivated to do it, and they're more likely to remember it uh, later on. So that's the reason why uh, perception, attention, and memory all goes together, and that's going to be mm-hmm. really critical um, for your onboarding and for your game usability. Uh, and the the best, you know, the, the the more you craft it carefully, the better it's going to be for your game. And this is the reason why you have to. Um, determine what are the most important things in your game where it's the most important thing for the, the, the experience of the players because you can't do that for every single feature in your game, you can't teach everything in your game through that because otherwise you never ship. And so you have to determine what are the most important things for your game and what may, also what are the most difficult things to learn. Like in Fortnite, building is quite difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. It's new, and there's not a lot of games will uh, uh, have buildings. Uh, I mean, at least back then, and uh, even it's different from building in Minecraft. So we know that's already going to be a feature and a system that's going to be hard for players to learn. So we need to pay more attention to that system more specifically, uh, and maybe the rest, you know, if they if they uh, if if it's not as crafted carefully. Never mind, uh, because we, we can't do everything perfectly. So if you do that, you determine what is the, this is what I call the doing the onboarding plan, defining what are the most important features in your game that things that if players don't understand how to do that, they're never gonna have fun. Um, and so you can uh, place a lot of effort in that. Um, and yeah. if you do that, then it's, it's, you are more likely to make sure that player's gonna remember it. Yeah. the other trick is also so so that players don't forget is to have better affordances also give away information uh, at all times that's why huds are so important because if on the HUD, like mm-hmm. on assassin's creed the first um uh, uh, uh the first of the series you, you always have on the hud all the actions that you can do in context you don't have to learn about these so even if you come back yeah. Um, two weeks later, you, 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 you're not under the forgetting curve because the information is still on your HUD and that's why caring about your HUD and making sure you have the right information for players and that it's intuitive, it's a, it's a great thing because then when players come back, they can re-onboard yeah. more easily.
0: Alyssa, now that you kind of have taken all these notes, <laughs> you scribbled them, them all down. How, um, how, how do you grade the uh, the UX in Animal Crossing: the New
2: Horizons? Uh. uh oh, <laughs> scale of one all. to ten. <laughs> uh, I don't Good know. Good luck, Alyssa. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't. Yeah. For me, it's difficult because it's hard to separate it from what I had as a kid and like what's like baked into my mind from so long. Because like I, there's just so much of that game that's automatic for me because Earlier on, I learned these systems and then carried that forward. So, like, it's hard for me personally to kind of like grade that one. <laughs> yeah.
2: But it's, it's always hard, and it, it's, it's hard for everyone because we care about certain games more than others. Uh, certain games uh, have mixed like, triggers, no- nostalgia. And mm-hmm. so, this is the reason why it's really hard as game developers or, or gamers to grade and to rate any of these games. This is why we need a methodology so we can detach from our own perspective and use very precise methodology to look at uh, elements so that's why uh, my framework is using like the usability elements like signs and feedback are they clear uh, do we have good form follows function meaning do we have good affordance um, do we minimize uh, the the uh, workload for players when they have to play for things that they're going to have to do very often so we look at very precise things and same thing for engagement you know is it motivating as um, it's more complicated for engagement because we don't have um, enough uh, research on that, and it's more fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. But we do have elements like uh, motivation, emotion, and, you know, uh, game feel, and we're looking to game flow and onboarding and all that. And so this is what we do. We don't. It's hard to um, evaluate a game just based on our feelings um even if we're professional this is why i highly recommend to try to detach ourselves from our own gut feeling and common sense because common sense is flawed because mm-hmm. the brain is flawed
0: especially it's- mine yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> well again it's not just you i can assure you that
0: <laughs> thank you I, i'm just putting out the self-deprecating stuff so you va- validate me and, and yeah um so like uh When you're talking about getting other people's perspectives, I mean, like you're talking about, you know, different kinds of playtesting, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah. There's a bunch of things that we can anticipate because we have principles that we use from uh, human-computer interaction. But, yeah, we always need to playtest because at the end of the day, uh, we can't anticipate everything. We have uh, blind spots. And we need to play us with a lot of different people. That's why inclusion and diversity is very important, so that we can ensure to uncover our blind spots. Mm-hmm. And this is typically the moment it's, it's both uh, exhilarating and, and atrocious because you bring over players from um, your, um, your audience and you watch them play. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes the things you were expecting to work are working and it's exhilarating and sometimes Something that you thought would be obvious is actually not obvious to someone who who doesn't know anything about the system, even though they're gamers. Um, And this is when it can be really depressing. (laughs) because <laughs> sometimes <laughs> like on fortnite there are some elements like uh, you know playtest after playdice after playtest we were iterating on something and it was still not working we're like ah oh! and that's yeah. why that's why these uh, rooms are soundproofed because sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're really I, like why is this not working
0: like whenever whenever i play something in front of a developer and they're watching me play like i know you know if I you're at like like a show or him. something yeah like like I am super self conscious too because <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, I should know where to go yeah. and what to do. Yeah. And I know that that's what they're thinking, like, what are you doing? You yeah. But <laughs>
2: well, that's typically why we, d- we don't have developers in the rooms when we play test. Mm-hmm. Um, because, first of all, it's, it's intimidating. And second of all, uh, you want to be nice to the developer because you know that that person like, put their heart and soul and mm-hmm. sweat and blood in mm-hmm. there and you, ch- you try to figure out things um, way more um, carefully than if you were at home and especially or if you were on the um commuting to work and and trying a free-to-play game on your phone this is where really we don't care a lot about yeah. any of that thing and so we don't have a lot of time to ensure that players uh first of all they understand what they have to do and it's compelling and yeah. and then yes it's done so and-
0: there, yeah. And there's, there's like an amazing amount of like these tiny little details. You were talking about menus and uh, gestalt principle. Gestalt, um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, which it, you know, it, it's about grouping things together, right? And how your brain.
2: Yeah. So that. it's, it's, it's more than that. It's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's about seeing patterns. Um, okay. And across all humans, we have the same way of seeing patterns. Uh, But the problem is that we we have different laws and principles from Gestalt that can help us anticipate how people are going to see things. But the problem is that in real life, there's all of these laws and principles that are interacting with one another. But when we take them separately, we can clearly anticipate. Uh, So, for example, if you just see a a block of dots that are uh, equidistant, uh, you're just going to see a big, um, I don't know, like square of dots. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. if you remove the center column um, of these dots, then you're going to see two blocks of rectangles um, because we group things uh, that are close to one another together. So that's one of the main mm-hmm. principle of the law of proximity.
0: Yeah, and, and the way that you were applying it was, was fascinating uh, it, and it had to do with, uh, I think it was a menu in Far Cry that, yeah. you, uh, were, that you used to level up skills and, and stuff. And sometimes those things, like I know that's difficult, you know, to design at all. Um, but the way that you're explaining, it's like, see how these are these are close together, this looks like it's vertical and it's actually a horizontal progression system yeah. and and that and that, that, that I don't know. It yeah, just no, seems uh, mind bending to me.
2: I, I know, is- and, and, and for us it seems so obvious and, and sometimes we just do things and we're like, oh, we're gonna iterate on that later and that later it never happens. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why we need to anticipate things and need to use these principles um, to design so that uh, from the beginning it's it's, at least it's following some principles because we're going to have to iterate anyway Um, Mm -hmm. but there's some principles we can easily apply but we just forget and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that are shipped uh, that are violating these basic principles just because to us it's so obvious because we know that the system is working horizontally and so it's, it's it's Again, the perception is flawed, so yeah. that knowledge is changing the way we perceive um,
0: yeah. the system. Yeah, so we're, we're kind of running short on time. I feel oh, like, God, already? Because, <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like I could keep on going forever, but we still have time for a few things.
1: Yeah, I'm going to cut in here. Yeah, go um, ahead. I was going to ask, like obviously having a UX researcher or a UX designer on your team um, has a huge payoff, as like the last 40 minutes of conversation can attest, but kind of what concepts from um, like considering UX should developers and other disciplines like keep in mind to their day-to-day if they don't have someone like that on their team?
2: Yeah, well, that's that's basically the information that I want to give away in my book. Uh, so this is where I summarized everything. What's really important is to have the correct mindset uh, and always think about players uh, first and place them at the center of whatever you're doing. Uh, so of course, if you can't play, this is gonna be difficult uh, because you, you do need to have that, that that's check uh, because there are many things you can't anticipate Uh, but at least if you if you have a better understanding of how the brain uh, works uh, the main flaws uh, in terms of perception attention memory and if you understand better uh, uh, how motivation works what's going to be important to make it engaging for players so things like motivation emotion and game flow this this is just like the um, the basic information that, at least if you have that, is going to change a bit your mindset uh, mm-hmm. and is going to help you anticipate problems and iterate and, and find solutions faster. Um, but, of course, it's, not, it's never going to replace a UX designer. Um, who, who these people are really specialized into interaction design and information architecture, uh, so they can help you define systems. Um, so that's going to be really critical if you have a game with a lot of systems and uh, heavy UI. And uh, playtesting is always going to be important to help you out. So, if you can't playtest, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, people who can who offer these services. I assure you, it is worth it. Um, so, I, I know it's it's hard to to invest money in there, but it's it's a new investment that you will not regret. Um, but the basic information is on my website um, because I know like the book is quite expensive but this is really the information you need to understand so that you, you, you can start shifting your mindset from I'm going to design what I want to do to I want to offer that experience to that sort of players and I want to make sure this is really what I'm achieving that's you know having that mindset is really key.
0: So, like, speaking of, of consulting on these games, can you? I, I'm interested in hearing uh, what you know. Are, are there? What are the common mistakes, or if there are, or is it just like everything? Uh, you know, <laughs>
2: all the things. <laughs> um. Well, the, the common mistakes. Uh, yeah, it's it's oftentimes it's the same thing. What we have that that hope that things are going to be okay, and. I mean, it, it really depends on the games. Um, but when I work with a uh, with a AAA studios and and they are making a game for hardcore gamers,
1: mm-hmm. the
2: typical uh, caveat here is they they always hope that oh because it's hardcore gamers they will they will understand it. Mm-hmm. But this is not true. And hardcore gamers, they also they it's not only your game coming out. Or there's a lot of games that come out. And um, they're not going to blame it on their skills if, if they don't understand something uh, and as well they should. Um, they're just going to say, well, I don't get it. Or if, if they die and they don't understand why, uh, depending on how motivated they are to play your game, they might not try to figure out um, your game. And you can't count on that. It's really rare that the game has so much hype um, that even if it's confusing, players are going to... Really work around it and try to be motivated to figure it out. Or if they do, it's just a very small proportion of um, your audience. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the main uh, yeah. flaw that I see from uh, player from studios that are developing a hard-core, a game for harker gamers.
0: Yeah, that's interesting too because the way that you you know are taking into consideration there are other games that are coming out that you know but do you say that because it could like um you know they they're understanding how one game works that's kind of similar and then the ux doesn't apply uh, crossways or
2: it's not just that it's so you need to be motivated and uh, so for motivation there's three principles for intrinsic motivation so the motivation of playing your game just for the pleasure of playing it not because other people are playing it so you want to be part of their gig um, but it's, it's about competence, autonomy, and relatedness. Um, competence is about feeling in control and feeling that you're progressing in the game. If the mm. game is not uh, making players feel competent in playing the game, they're gonna quit. Mm. Um, and, and competence is not, I'm not saying that the game should, you know, you should never lose and everything is always great. Uh, you do need challenge, but competence is about if I die, I understand why I died and okay. next time I can come back to it and get better at it. If this is not happening because the signs and feedback in the game are not clear, because you don't have that like, good affordances, um, players are just going to quit. They yeah. And especially because there are other games out there. Um, so that's that's the thing we need to, to focus on. It's really important to make sure, this is what the onboarding is all about, This make sure players are going to feel competent into playing the game and they feel they can get better in progress. If they yeah. don't feel that, uh, this, this is when trouble starts.
0: When, when you're describing um, that stuff, I'm thinking of like, you know, these really difficult like Souls-like games yeah. uh, that they're they're popular, they're really popular. You know, uh, especially considering how difficult they are. Yeah. It's kind of like they're popular because you, you know that you're the one who messed up um,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the Souls game, I mean, it's it's, yeah. and it's in the contract. You know that mm-hmm. you're getting yeah. in to suffer. And this is typically the type of, of players that they're uh, targeting. <laughs> um, and so this is usually what I, uh, it's funny because typically Souls games are the ones that come up saying, oh, you know, with UX, every, every game is going to be easy and we can lose Souls games like, ah, and like, <laughs> no, if your game is the experience of the game you want to offer is uh, one for people like to suffer. We're yeah. absolutely going to help you accomplish your sadistic goals. Um, but you have to know that your audience is going to be much smaller. Uh, and so, to, to make it work, everything else has to be really well done um, in terms oh of my UX. Gosh.
0: Everything is UX.
2: <laughs> exactly. So everything. Do you, life is UX. <laughs>
0: do, you, do, you, do you have a difficult time turning your, your UX brain off? You're no, just looking yes. at stuff and you're like, oh. Every every time you go up to a door and then it looks like you push it, but it's actual pull. You're like, Uh,
2: I I can't tell you how many times I get mad at things around me. Like everything, I'm like, oh, (laughs) do they expect me to remember that shit? Or like if I if I see something like elevators or every time I go to uh, a new place. Well, sometimes it's fun because when when I go to a new country, I try to see can I operate this machine? Can I figure out how to buy I don't know a metro ticket (laughs) or. Oh
0: yeah, I know. Oh yeah, I've gotten lost in a fair share of foreign subways um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that it's,
2: it's fun it's 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 interesting um but I, there's also just to, to finish about the 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 idea of difficulty yes um it's also really important to make your game inclusive uh which means also it has to be accessible and mm. it's not because you define uh, difficulty is is really Uh, arbitrary it it Mm -hmm. depends on how the designers they they want the game to be difficult Uh, but I I don't see why you should make your game not accessible to a lot of people uh, just because you can't have many different options that can uh, alleviate Mm -hmm. barriers to enjoy your game so that's really important and there's a lot of debate around that and I really I just really don't understand why are we still having that debate today
0: yeah yeah, I have a difficult time understanding too. Ugh, that, you just brought up another topic. We could talk another hour. I'm sorry. About oh yeah, <laughs> way to, way to I could talk about accessibility. No. Um, yeah. Le- we do need to wrap it up, but let's let's um, you know talk a little bit more about your book. Uh, you've you know, gamer's brain is already out. Like it's, you know, people you know people are reading it. You have another one that you said you just finished up recently.
2: Yeah. Uh, so the new book is called the Psychology of Video Games. It's really more for a broad audience, mm-hmm. um, and it's about explaining how video games are made and, and uh, what is the impact of video games. So it's the psychology of making games, also the psychology of playing games. And the idea is to go through, so first of all, UX, where is it coming from, and and how psychology is used to make games, because you have a lot of people and and the public that don't understand and they feel, oh, they have psychologists, they must be trying to, I don't know, manipulate my brain. And so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of fear around that. So I really wanted to explain what this is all about, and then also explaining a bit better the the research around the impact of video games, because there's also a lot of uh, great claims around that. Uh, so you have one side saying, oh, video games are going to save the world and they make everything better. Um, most of the time, these are great claims that are not necessarily backed up by science. And mm. yeah, on the other side, you have, oh, my God, video games are um, are killing everybody and, and everything is dark and, and everybody is, is uh, getting violent and yeah. um, hooked up in games. And this also... Our great claims are not backed up by science so the idea was to look into these things look into the positive impact of games uh, when is this happening what conditions and what are, can be the, uh, the negative impact of games and it's mainly uh regarding if, if you're over consuming games of course that can lead to problems um, hmm. but the main issue is that we talk about video games as if it was a big bucket of the same thing yeah. uh, and we need to start stop talking about the great or bad impact of games and start to talk about more specifically what is, what is um, bringing something uh, interesting in, in terms of uh, health or education or, or cognitive skills and what are the limitations that we need to be careful about and it's mostly about mechanics and it's mostly about specific things and not just video games as a broad um, topic, so this is what I was trying to accomplish in this book, and I also finish by talking about ethics and mm-hmm. uh, what we need to look into um, because the game industry also need, need need to talk about ethics a bit more I think yeah. um, it's, how, how it's do you important. mean
0: ethics like
2: uh... so thinking uh, making sure that uh, we are aware that there's no design is uh, neutral so everything we design is going to influence people to use the design in a way or, or another so uh, when we design uh, games to uh, encourage people to come back uh, it's fair it's for a game because we especially for free to play we need to have that to make money so i totally understand but sometimes for example we design games that punish disengagement hmm. uh, and this is where it can be a little bit unethical because then you're it's not that you're encouraging people to come back and they're going to be rewarded if they come back it's, you're going to be you're going to be punished if you're not coming back which is hmm. a, a little bit different and i think yeah. it's important for the game industry to look into these mechanics and define where we should draw the line um, before, because it's, it's already, uh, you know, policymakers and uh, the public is, is talking about these things, whether it is loot boxes or um, retention mechanics. And we need to own that discussion and we need to start looking into where's the line and so mm-hmm. that we can uh, address the, the issue because there are some issues and we should not shy away from addressing them.
0: And uh, when is uh, the new book coming out?
2: Uh, so it's going to be in October. So it's not not anytime soon. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> That's all right. But it will be available on newsstands everywhere. So I uh,
2: hope so, yes. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, if we still have, well, yeah, in October, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> we're going to be able to be out. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's frustrating, but it yeah. is the way it is. That's um, a
0: whole nother thing. Yeah, <laughs> but
2: yeah. we're all well, in there together, so. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah we are. And, well... Thanks so much for joining us. It was absolutely fascinating.
2: I'm yeah. glad you find that fascinating. As you can yeah. see, I can talk about it forever. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: well, we need to have you on again sometime. We can uh, talk about time. All other stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Doc. And uh, <laughs> since I have permission to come here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Chris and Lisa.
0: Yeah. And uh, take care and stay safe.
2: Yeah. Everybody stay safe, please.
0: Just like that Celia was gone. Is that how, Lumpel I guess that's how sigh, we'll, start yeah. the thirth, <laughs> we'll start the third, third <laughs> bit like that? No, she was, she was excellent. Uh, like I, uh, I'm still absorbing, uh, all of the information and my practical and applicable information it's the best kind
1: yeah that's been the nice thing about uh, our gdc podcast mm-hmm. guests so far is they can just talk about their subject matter forever and it is incredible to listen to <laughs> yeah
0: i know we like don't have to do anything oh
1: my god just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. every now and then and just podcast po- podcast itself
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. podcast <laughs> podcast mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> podcast uh, yeah uh, no tongue twisting okay yeah
0: <laughs> this segment's going really well
1: yep um back on track. I was looking forward to this one in particular, uh, this conversation in particular, because, um, getting into more of like the behind the scenes writing about like the game industry and stuff like that. UX was one of those like early question marks, you know, where like, I'm like, yeah, I know what game design is. I know how programming and art, like they just do the typing and the drawing. And then like, but UX was this like mystery one where I'm like, I don't actually know what that is. So like getting to, uh, Kind of validate everything I've learned about that over the years of picking things up here and there, and just hearing an expert talk about it was yeah. a really enlightening way of like all the ways it touches the different aspects of game design and how it goes unnoticed when it's done so well. And oh, yeah, very enlightening. and
0: there's you know a rising interest in it. It seems like uh, like you know like we mentioned earlier, she runs the GDC UX Summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the chair of that, and um, I remember the first time that we did the summit, I think it was the first time, I'm pretty sure, but it was just a huge, huge turnout. So this is something that, you know, is, you know, a you know, a newer field, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not like brand new, but it's something that, you know, people are taking more interest in. And especially if you are a small studio, you know, you might not be able to, you know, hire somebody like Celia, which by the way, hire Celia Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. um, you want to try to, you know, obtain that information for yourself if you can. And, uh, it's, I, I think, I think it'll just, you know, make, make for better, better video games and overall better experience. Because like, like I said, you know, uh, it's like every you start realizing everything is user experience. Yeah.
2: There
1: was like the, the, I think it's in the matrix where like the, everything feels back and it's just like the numbers and the data. Uh-huh. It's like that, but like everything's UX. It's, yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and also, you know, there was, I wish there was more time to talk to her about this stuff, but there's the learning aspect of it. And when I say learning aspect, it's like, it seems like 90% of it is about learning. She was uh, talking about onboarding and you know, that's, a way of talking about, you know, the initial learning of, you know, this new system that you're going to be interacting with. So that's, you know, that's fascinating. There's, there's that great, um, analogy with, uh, the first stage of super Mario brothers and i don't know if you saw it but it or i can't even remember like where it was it's somewhere if someone can find that he's listening somewhere online yeah but it you know that those very first blocks in super mario brothers taught you so many things about how the rest of the game works Mm -hmm. and then it's just like okay well that's you know that's why uh nintendo is uh number one in the biz right there
1: yeah that's the kind of stuff that like i'll like poke designers about when we talk to designers is like oh like intuitively teaching people things Mm -hmm. and i didn't realize that was such a big part of like the ux side of game development um was just kind of the more data-driven looks at like creating things in a readable way
0: yeah um we we brought out ethics uh also talked about that for a little bit and if you're interested in looking more on that um celia actually I think if you just Googled uh, Celia Hodent and um, ethics, you'll turn up her Gama Sutra blog, which is like thousands of words, couple th- like a couple thousand words. It's an expanded GDC talk, actually. And she talks about the kinds of ethics and, you know, approaching um, these ethical issues in a scientific way. And mm-hmm. it, you know, talks about, loot boxes also um all of these controversial things and uh you know a game addiction which we weren't able to talk about too much mm-hmm. but these are things that it's, it's really interesting that it's at the top of her mind um, and of course that they should be because they're they're ux based aren't they
1: yeah no it's kind of married with um earlier on in the conversation it was mentioned that like a uh, research Doing like a heavy research into how people think in game development. Like mm-hmm. outside, it kind of looks like shady. Like oh, they're trying to figure out how to best extract yeah, money from the free to play. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but like her article on ethics talks about a lot more of that, but mm-hmm. in like a good multi-layered, multi way. Yeah, uh, her entire Gamma Future blog is uh, very readable and knowledgeable, and I recommend checking it out. Mm-hmm. Please <laughs> don't judge the UX of uh, our website. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 uh what's the word vintage yeah it's vintage
0: it's yeah. uh you know it's the aesthetic that counts it's a
1: comfortable throwback to uh yeah, yeah anyway <laughs>
0: simpler time that was a great chat she's so <laughs> enthusiastic and i love it yes <laughs> i'm enthusiastic about I'm <laughs> Celia's enthusiasm all right so uh that's all for this week you know, check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and uh, should we keep saying YouTube? I haven't... Uh, I we haven't uploaded uh, one there in, in a little you can while. check
1: something out on YouTube. We'll, we'll,
0: we'll do it at it some point. There's
1: other it's content. There's, there's a couple of things of, out on YouTube. Yeah, there's plenty of GDC content on YouTube besides us, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You can go to GDC YouTube for other stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So if you liked what you heard, uh, like and subscribe, please. We would love that. All right. For now, I am, well, not for, for now. <laughs> I will continue to be Chris Graft.
1: I will do my best to continue to be Alyssa McAloon.
0: And uh, have a, <laughs> uh, shit.
1: <laughs> All right, have an idea. excellent outro.
0: Yeah, so close. All right.